2: Welcome to 3 Yards Per Carry, but before we go on with today's episode, let me tell you about a great sponsor of the 3 Yards Per Carry podcast, and that is AutoNation. If you're looking to buy or sell a vehicle, AutoNation is where you want to go. They're the largest auto retailer from coast to coast, and the friendly and knowledgeable staff here in South Florida will help you save big on huge selection of new cars, trucks, and SUVs, Toyota, Honda, Chevrolet, Mercedes-Benz, and much, much more. If you're looking to buy pre-owned, shop, AutoNation's huge, selection of one priced pre-owned vehicles they're all clearly marked with one price their lowest price guaranteed or if you just want to get rid of that old car turn it in for cash today get a top dollar offer and check the same day they'll buy your car with no purchase necessary is your check engine light on right now get their services you need at low auto nation prices oil changes tires batteries and more all for less call or visit autonation.com to schedule your appointment today. If you are in the market for a new car, DM us at 3 Yards Per Carry. That's at the number 3 Yards Per Carry on Twitter, and I'll give you an Autonation Senior Manager your info so they can reach out to you directly and walk you through the buying process. Now, on with the show.
0: Welcome to Three Yards per Carry, a podcast covering the Miami Dolphins and the NFL. Now here's your hosts, Chris Alf and
1: Simon.
2: And we're on and welcome to another edition of Three Yards for Carry. I'm Alfredo Artiaga. I have Simon Clancy here and I do have Chris Kaufman back from what seemed like forever. It was just forever. Yeah. But he is here. He's here on the show. And this is your Dolphins training camp preview. And let's just get into it right away. Simon you know we're not expecting many wins this year but it is training camp, so anything can happen, although we don't think it can. But let's just say that it could. If it can happen, I think it's because of this unit. And that's our skill, guys.
1: I happen to like the group. <laughs> and there you have it. <laughs> don't be stupid. It's like, come on. Don't be stupid. Let's to just... a uproarious laughter. Seriously. <laughs> let's put the Jean wool Jean over people's yeah, eyes. All right. All right, I'll Pollyanna. Listen christ on a bike all right so
2: how bad are these guys then like...
1: mate i've been saying for months that this is one of the worst teams ever and then finally about three days ago in our WhatsApp group, you finally conceded that the talent on this team was about as good as a high school girls hockey team
3: and... i like how he made it look spontaneous too like you know i was looking through the roster and
1: and this yeah. team doesn't have much wasn't it it was almost <laughs> like he just discovered our lads it's like wow there's a depth chart and i can see who's playing wow we don't have much talent do we wait what 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 side is that
3: well
2: to be I mean... clear what i said was that this is the thinnest team i can ever
1: remember for thinnest i read shittest <laughs> <laughs> can we just skip to the can we just skip to the draft preview <laughs> well, that's what people well, want really right Well, you know what? we get there
3: I think I think this is that's what's interesting about this season, though. If there is to be anything interesting about it, is they're going to be drafting from their own roster yeah. because a lot of these guys. I mean, it's like it's like when they say that you're shopping from your own closet. I mean, there's that's they're going to spend a season in uh, in spring training trying to figure
1: out which guys need to be here and which guys don't. It's and, the beautiful, uh, beautiful subplot, isn't it, to the season that there yeah. is this yeah. golden potential golden goose at the end of the rainbow as it were mm-hmm.
3: absolutely and that's that's the goal and and so you know uh, I, people ask me yeah but is there is there i mean hey look at 2008 you know what happened there and yeah if they went out and shopped for a bunch of these veterans that could help them translate to the new systems then i might buy that potential but Really what they're doing, you're just seeing the dice rolls all over the place in the, in the roster, and everything is a dice roll. Even if it's an outside guy brought in like Eric Rowe or somebody like that, it's a dice roll. It's, we want to give them new opportunities and see if he, you know, there's something there that nobody else sees. And, um, and so that's, that's really that's the subplot that I think is going to intrigue us and keep us going, and probably for a lot of Dolphins fans too.
2: Now let me get to this. Back to the skill, guys. One of my favorite benchmarks is 2,000 yards. Can your running backs produce 2,000 yards from scrimmage? Is it – well, I'm pretty sure that Simon's going to say I'm absolutely insane. But is it absolutely crazy to say that Kenyon Drake, Kellen Balaj, and whoever else out of our backfield can't produce 2,000 yards from scrimmage?
3: Can, can or can? Can. Like, can. It's crazy can. to say they – it's probably crazy to say they can.
1: Yes. Really? Behind who? Who's blocking for them? Well, that's that's the the problem. problem. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, mean, I'm serious. So who is blocking for them? And it's not like they've got like big old behemoths blocking wide receivers and tight ends because they don't. And up front, you're essentially, there's one solid, rock solid. I mean, Brian Balding, I called him the other day, the best young left tackle in football. I think he's right ahead of Ronnie Stanley and Laramie Tunsell. But beyond that, there are four massive question marks Mm -hmm. on the offensive line. Who's going to block for these guys? I mean, Drake and Ballage couldn't do it behind a semi mobile offensive line last well, year. Well, caveat on that
3: one, Drake. I mean, listen, let's let's be fair, let's be fair to him. He's been averaging nearly 5 yards a carry his entire 3-year career in Miami, and and that's with some pretty shit offensive lines mm. in front of him. So, to be fair, I mean there's an argument to be made if he gets a lot more opportunities. He could run with it. The problem is that you and I have talked about this a long time ago, going back to you know his college career even mm-hmm. and some of his time in the pros. Is there's, I mean, he has a reputation as for not having the durability.
1: Mm-hmm. There's you know, a reason and, he hasn't given all those carries. And I, and I you know, the, we've said this before in the program, and people complain that Adam Gase didn't give him the ball. But well, Adam Gase wanted to win. Adam Gase didn't want to be sacked. Adam Gase wanted to be the next on shooter of the Miami Dolphins. If he thought Kenyon Drake was going to help him win games, he would have given him the ball. There, there is a reason.
3: Well, if he thought that he could handle it, if he thought yeah, they can handle the the workload. And but I think that there's Mentally I mean, he was physically. already taking
1: Nixon's scrapes by the end
3: of the year. Or, I mean more than Nixon scrapes, really. And and I think that he did that a lot at Alabama. There was a reason that all those all those acts at Alabama kept leapfrogging him on the on the depth, depth chart, chart where they're talking yeah. about TJ Yeldon and you know and Derrick Henry and um and somebody else I'm forgetting uh but yeah they, that's what that's his that's his MO that's the thing you're fighting you know that's the thing that he's going to try to prove this year is I can handle it like give me 300 touches and, and it's cool and I'm good um and I hope he does I I for his sake and for the Dolphins sake I, I really hope he does but let's not you know let's not pretend it wouldn't be a surprise if he if
1: he did manage it I think the one kid that could do it is Balage if mm-hmm. there's going to be a, I'm, I'm a, not sure I'm there, there on that I can, I, I'm not sure I'm there yet but I wonder if there is going to be somebody that emerges because I kind of feel like if Drake was going to emerge really emerge it would have happened by now mm-hmm. uh, I, uh, I mean I'm not sure there is a guy necessarily on the roster but if one guy emerges I feel like it could be him more than it could be the others potentially to me, best chance is Drake. I mean, that
3: you know, step up and be durable and and take the load the whole season and just have a, a real bang up year. Um, but Caleb Balazs, you know, listen. I mean, he he did go down at first contact a lot. I mean, he he still had some of the some of the issues that he had in college as far as you know vision in the backfield. Um. Yeah, he had his moments, and he had one that one really big run. But and he's
1: got to prove that he's more than that seventy-five yarder against the Vikings, he? right? Ultimate. Exactly,
3: exactly. And and then the guy, I do not rate the guys
1: behind those two. Right. Uh, I mean, uh, Ken, well, Kenny, Kenny Faro. I mean, yeah. I mean, they're, they're just a guy.
2: Now, as and, as, and a, as a reference point in all of this, last year Belage, Kenyon Drake, and Frank Gore did go over twenty-one hundred yards. Now we're talking about two guys trying to do it.
3: Well, that was Frank Gore. They leaned heavily on Frank Gore, and quite yes. frankly, you know, you could argue that if Frank Gore was on this roster, he'd be the best back in the backfield again. Mm-hmm. And and I think he was, you know, and yeah, I Drake get and a lot Ballage, of flack for way, that.
2: Just in case people are wondering, Drake and Balaj were just shy of thirteen hundred yards between them.
3: Right, uh, and I think that you know, there's there's a lot of people saying that that will will catch you know, really, you'll catch flack from if you say that Frank Gore was better than Kenny and Drake, but he was. I mean, if you look at if you look at his his median gains and you look at how often he was caught in the backfield versus how often Kenyon Drake was caught in the backfield, he was more reliable. He was more reliable as a runner and and especially if you look at first second down and you kind of weed out some of the the third and longs where you get some garbage yards and stuff like that, um, you know, Frank Gore was just better and he that surprised the hell out of me because I thought, you know, he'd be on his last legs as a pro and and he was really good. But um, Kenny Drake, you know, he, he's he got an opportunity. And if he if he's durable, then it's going to happen, I think. But if he's – because he's – like I said, he's been running for five yards per carry or four and a half to five yards per carry behind shit offensive lines. And that's what they have this year on paper. So that shouldn't be much of a problem. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, does he last? Does he last? And does he prove that he can handle 20-plus in a game? I'm not sure.
2: Well, Simon, it's pretty clear that you don't think that they're going to go anywhere near 2,000 yards from scrimmage, these running
3: backs. No. But what do you make of From that? scrimmage or just rushing? From scrimmage. Yeah, that's, uh, well, that's a different question. Though, that's it? a different one, isn't it? Well,
2: that was the original question. That was my question. Can okay. you guys combine from two, for 2,000 yards from scrimmage? Because if they
3: do I – mean, Yes, but that, that is that really special? Success. Yeah. Does that's it? That, that doesn't yeah. Competence. Does it? That's what oh, yeah. we're
2: trying to shoot for here.
3: Well i mean I, mean, I, I don't know I, that that translates to winning, yeah, I agree
2: well, historically, two guys combining for two thousand yards from scrimmage has all purpose yeah all purpose has usually voted well as far as winning
1: this team this team is not going to win a lot of games whether they run for two thousand yards or not
3: yeah They're especially not, i mean they might good. have they might have the um the commitment to the ground game and yeah. to the running backs. To get, some, to get some yardage that way. But I don't know that it's going to translate to winning. Yeah, I well, think we are on. kidding ourselves massively.
2: Let's move on to our, our wide receivers. Simon, uh, a couple of weeks ago, you said that this was not a complete group. I kind of like the group, except, you know, save for maybe the bottom end of the group, namely that Devontae Parker shouldn't probably be on this team. Well, the bottom end is Preston Williams, and we all love him. <laughs> I think that by the end of the year, Devontae Parker is probably going to be on the bottom end. I think Preston Williams is probably an ascending player. Remember, it's a brand new, it's a clean slate. I think yeah. for these coaches.
3: So I think he he could. I I'm on the opposite side. I'm I'm really criticized him since they took him, mm-hmm. um, but I'm on the opposite side of that. There, if you look at this offense and the way that Chad O'Shea, well, you know Josh McDaniels. Uh, structures the offense and the roles of their wide receivers in this offense you're talking about like guys like Chris Hogan and um and Josh Gordon and you know if you go back even like a Brandon LaFell um there's a per there's a role for there's a very discreet role for a Devonte Parker in this and it's no coincidence absolutely no coincidence that we get into spring ball and the headlines you're hearing every day are Devonte Parker, I and mean, because that's not a coincidence in two ways. One, Chad O'Shea, you know, taking from Josh McDaniels, there's that role for that tall, lengthy, deep threat, like the deep post guy, and you know that kind of that kind of guy. Um, there's a big role for that in the offense. But also Ryan Fitzpatrick, if you look at his career, when did he succeed? Last year with with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, throwing to Mike Evans and throwing to those two giant tight ends. Uh, or when when he was in the New York Jets and he had the you know that greatest year probably of his career, he was throwing to Brandon Marshall and throwing to um to the other guy uh, who was Eric Decker, um, mm-hmm. both of them big receivers. And so I think that he favors is a reason that Preston Williams caught mm-hmm. his attention, and I think that uh, he favors those, and I think the offense favors those. So that that could mean success for Devontae
1: mm-hmm. in a bad year. You know, I mean, look at the guys that are on the on the roster. The kid we just picked up, Say Blackmore, just a guy. Bryce mm-hmm. Butler probably won't make the team. Isaiah right. Ford has been on the fringes for three years. <laughs> you know, probably <laughs> not the to of the team. Yeah, exactly. We all like keep Grant, but you know, he's coming off an injury. You know, it's hard to 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 sure. figure him you know, coming back and being dominant straight away, especially as he's, you know, with the one in the world, he's still picking up the nuances of the position. Uh, For him Reese to really Hall,
3: ascend, somebody's going to have to take a leap of faith. And yeah, I'm absolutely. not sure if
1: these guys are doing it. Agreed. Reese Horn is just a guy. I mean, they, they apparently really like Trent and but he's coming off an injury. He's a free agent. You know, there's a mm-hmm. long, that, that's a long path. We've just talked about Parker, who could be anything but probably maybe history tells us that zero to hero right we love kenny Steeles, we all love kenny steels but you know the acceptance is that kenny Steele's is more than just a guy but you know not that much more than just a guy we all Mm. love him we love his commitment we love what he stands for but you know let's be realistic in the better offenses kenny has struggled two years ago was his best year of course preston williams were all massively high on and, and albert wilson again a guy that we really liked last year, but coming off a serious injury. You know, he looks like he's got a long weight to shift. Um, You look at him on Instagram and stuff. He's a big human being currently. There's, I think Mm. there's still work there to be done. Um, I mean, it's just a group of guys. It's not, you know, there doesn't seem to be a lot of cohesion. There doesn't seem to be a lot of, you know, you you could, I could probably pick five guys. If you you were to pick five guys now who are going to make the team, you'd Mm. pretty much say grant, parker stills williams wilson which uh, is me, fine oh go, go on chris no
3: go on I was gonna say, i'll make this an open question um from this group which guy is your go-to on third down your slot receiver type that are so famous in new england julian edelman danny Amendola, Wes welker which of the guys on this roster is that type of player
2: I think that Albert Wilson will find himself much more in that role than some people think he will be in.
1: I think they'll lead a lot on stills because of his mental mm-hmm. ability, his leadership. Um, he's got good hands, um, I, I think, ultimately. But I think those two, of, uh, of the guys that we've said, I think it'll be those two guys. I think mm-hmm. Preston Williams and Devonte will battle out to become the. The Randy Mosses, the Irving Fryer, that kind of New England, because their size and physicality. And I think you know the other three guys are those guys that you'll try and work those short underneath routes that you know have been made so famous for years by the guys like Welker and Edelman and and all those kind of guys. So, but we've we've talked
3: many times. We've talked many times about how Kenny Stills is good from the slot, right? And Mm, yeah, how his numbers are good from the slot, but he doesn't run the same routes from the slot. To get those numbers, he runs he runs deeper stuff from the mm-hmm. slot. That's how he that's how he ends up with such great efficiency numbers. It's not the same as getting Danny Amendola or Wes Welker or yeah. Julian Edelman. Uh, and so I'm wondering, you know, between the guys you mentioned, uh, Kenny Stills and Albert Wilson, or let's throw throw a Jakeem Grant in there. You know, are they are they all just kind of misfit a little bit for that for that role? Are they you know not quite hitting it square? You know what I mean and yeah. And I, I wonder, and since that's such an important element or has been, I mean, we're just, we're going off in New England's offense and it's all we have to go on, and I'm sorry for that. But, um, you know, it's it's been such a big element of the New England offense. I wonder if the fact that we don't have, like, an immediately, you know, an, an immediately obvious fit for that kind of role, if that will matter or not. I don't know.
1: Trent, Trenton Irwin could be that guy. I could see it. I could absolutely see
3: him. And being not that guy. just because he's white. And not. <laughs> no,
1: no, no, no. But it's true. And we talked about it for the very first time when we first mm. heard that the dolphins were sniffing around him. Absolutely. Um, at Stanford, we were all like, "This could be the guy that could run those routes. That could be that guy. Not like you say, not just because he's a white fella, but it 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 definitely could be the, could be the one if he is healthy. And you could see him making the team. Potentially, could be the you know to keep six receivers. Feels like he might just be the guy.
3: Yeah, I did a workup on him almost immediately when his name came up, and um, and you know at Stanford he did he did run a lot of those kind of verticals, like he was yeah. the fast guy on the team. Um, but where he really light lit up, and where he started to see something interesting is when he was running those uh, those man beaters. He was running mm-hmm. man beaters against uh, against tight man coverage, and you know shake routes and stuff like that, or double moves, and you know things. Things that uh, things where he's really got to beat the guy in front of him with his his quickness um, and his uh, you know his shoulder fakes and his leverage and things like that and that's where you see him lit, light up. I'm not sure I see him as being like a zone guy. You know, that's going to do something that's going to impress you with finishing the catch. Yeah. Um. Through contact or uh, or doing anything or even doing things running after the catch, I see him a lot. A lot like a Brian Hartline,
1: actually. Yeah. I tell you what, so. I thought he did really well when I saw him and take the three things I thought he did really well is he does a lot of and you watch the Patriots receiver, he does a lot of stutter moves rather than yes. um, you know, rather than run what we would call conventional routes. He does a lot of those short areas, stutter step, give mm-hmm. you you know, shaking the shoulder, shaking the head, turning back to the quarterback. Getting right. open six yards, first down, that kind of thing. That man that, that beater kind of, stuff. Absolutely, just like you said, that kind of quickness. The second thing is double moves. A lot of double mm-hmm. moves I saw that he ran and would get himself open. And the third is these just really, really sure-handed, especially in that underneath traffic, that kind of, you know.
3: Yeah, I think sharp you had one eye drop. Focus, I think you had one yeah. drop
1: all year. Absolutely. That kind of sharp eye, laser eye focus to to work across the middle and concentrate and keep you know, seeing the ball into his hands, that for me just makes me think there's a that's what I'm sure that's why they went to see him and they they felt mm-hmm. like he could be a guy that could potentially return punts and could potentially work that inside, uh, inside role. Yeah. Who, min- who would who if, would surprise you, Alf? Oh, go min- ahead.
2: Camp, if minicamp is any indication, I think that Jakeen Grant's gonna surprise a lot of us because you know, you know, the policy this year is that you know, you can't say anything and. And if you do, they rip your eyes out so you can't watch (laughs) the next practice. But if you watched minicamp, the guy who seemed to be the most active as far as in every single formation or and pretty much every play was Jakeem Grant, and he played almost everywhere on that field, including... I'd love
3: it. I'd love that.
2: (laughs) Okay. Now... I was thinking the other day maybe this was a complete head fake and this is because Albert Wilson wasn't healthy mm. for minicamp and that kind of scares me because I kind of like what I saw, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ja'Keen Grant lined up at running back, at basically everywhere. He was lined up, including quarterback at one. At one point, I'm pretty sure that.
3: Oh man, they're gonna kill you for saying that.
1: <laughs>
2: okay, so that's something that I would be interested in seeing.
3: but to nice know, buddy.
2: Yeah, nice. <laughs> Uh, I don't think any of this is going to work unless these guys up front. It's not going to work
1: now, now that you've told everybody. (laughs) Yeah, that's right.
2: And where we're we're going with this is these guys up front. If you look at this offensive line, Mm -hmm. okay, they're bringing back Daniel Kilgore. I guess their Mm -hmm. evaluation is that, like ours was, like we (sighs) were probably, I don't know, we would have gone out to try to replace him. Let's just say that.
3: I was optimistic about him last year. I just didn't like where he played.
2: Yeah. So was that, yeah, and and it was kind of, uh, I don't know, he he just... But also, you've got, to look he at your,
1: you've got to look at it not just as a snaps per, or, or performance per snap. You've got to mm. look at it as, this is, you know, like I just said 10 minutes ago, you've got Laramie Tunsell and four other positions. To right. have somebody in the middle who can understand, you know, as a veteran in the league, he's not, a, you know, he's an average starter at best, but he understands you know, where people are supposed to line up. He understands calls. He understands, you know, he'll be, him and Tunsil will be talking to Dieter if Dieter starts at left guard. It's it's just yep. having that veteran presence in the middle uh, as that guy that can just be a leader and can understand about what he's seeing and what's happening and point that out to the guys and get everybody in. I think that's important, especially to, and I know we're talking so much about a New England coach, but those things do matter to mm-hmm. these kind of coaching staffs to have somebody who can just be that plonk that veteran presence in the middle and he can hold up generally you know as an average starter but he brings a bit more cerebrally to the game I think they're going to find that they lean on a little bit more than perhaps we as fans expect but actually as coaches I think they appreciate that more than we would ever do because that goes a little bit further than you know maybe a guy who's a little bit better starter than you know he's a new guy or, or whatever.
3: I fully agree with you, but I think the bottom drops out when you consider the fact that, you know, now he's, he's now he, he, he earns. Yeah, but he's earned the injury prone label now. Yeah. yeah. I mean, because, A- because he came into the league, he came into the league with serious injuries and, and multi, you know, kind of multiple years. Um, it was, it was really, I think one injury, but um, you know, it it affected him in multiple years, how he could play and whether he could play. And now he's getting that sort of—I mean, the the triceps. I think it was a triceps tear, right? Um, you know, it's That's it's right, the yeah. sort of thing you get when you're getting old and over the hill. I think, as an offensive lineman, um, to me. And so, I, you know, okay, but he he is this smart player, and, and he's going to be the swing man and and help everybody else. And then, and then he's going to miss ten games. And and then what? you know, then we're what Ryan Anderson. I don't know. Um, so yeah, I think that's where the bottom drops out is he's injury prone in addition to not having been all that compelling when he did play. And so it's, that's going to be tough. That's going to be a really tough part of the offensive line to me But the right tackle spot is I brought this up with you guys earlier. The right tackle spot is really, is really where it's at and with this offensive line, I think that's going to make or break this offensive line. Uh, because you, I, hey, I kind of like Jesse Davis. so I, I won't hide it. I always have, um, and I think that he played all right for like a game and a half when he at, at right tackle when he played there against the Carolina Panthers and Tampa Bay Bucks in 2017. But you know, look at the look at the the guys that he's going to be going against, <laughs> or or you know, worse if it's Jordan Mills um, at right tackle or Zach Steerup. <laughs> I mean, I I put this list together. This is great. This is, okay, so we'll start with like week one and we'll go all the way through. He's got Matthew Judon and Tyus Bowser and Pernell McPhee. But then he's got Lawrence Guy, Michael Bennett, you know, of course, Donta Hightower uh, and the rest of those New England boys. Demarcus Lawrence, Joey Bosa, Melvin Ingram, okay. Matt Ioannidis and Ryan Caron and Montez Sweat. Lorenzo Alexander's no slouch. TJ Watt, Cameron Hayward. Uh, Leonard Williams, Justin Houston. He's got to face Justin Houston. And Jabal Sheard. um, And then Miles Garrett and Olivier Vernon. Great, thanks. Uh, Brandon Graham. Oh, the legend. Awesome. And uh, Marcus Golden and and Carlos Dunlap and Sam Hubbard. And then the New England boys again and the Jets boys again and the Buffalo boys again. I mean, he's – this is – you have a group of Joey Bosa, DeMarcus Lawrence, Brandon Graham, T.J. Watt and Justin Houston, uh, Miles Garrett, Olivier Vernon, and that's, that's, a, that's a heavy group
2: there to be might facing. Be, there might be 300 career sacks on that list.
3: It, it's immense. It's immense. It's incredible. And let's not forget it's about a- Michael Bennett just coming over from, from New England and Lawrence Guy. I mean, it's, it's just – it's an incredible group to be going against with that right side being shaky.
1: And, and don't even and, don't even get started on the defensive tackles that these the interior morons are supposed to go up against. You know? yeah, I mean, look at, absolutely. I mean, look at look at, look, at, look at week one. You get straight off the bat with um, with what's his name, uh, Brandon Williams. You know, one Brandon of the Williams. best big men. Yeah. One of the best big men in the NFL. You got Michael Pierce and, and the kid they drafted from A and M, um, Mac, Dalen Mac. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's not going to be. It's going to get ugly quickly for that line. It, and it, you know, it
3: very well could.
1: It's and, such and, a cliche in football, but games really you know, are again. in the trenches. Yeah, absolutely.
2: Yeah. <laughs> absolutely. Now, now let me ask you guys this, and, and right before we go to break, let me ask you, Simon. Obviously, we're trying to get this, well, not us, but Chris Greer and company, they're trying to get this team onto a trajectory toward the playoffs. And let's mm-hmm. say in two years, let's say 2021 is the year they expect to be in the playoffs. Do you see more than Larry Mutunsel? Because I think we all agree that Larry Mutunsel, we expect him to be here for the next 10 years. Mm-hmm. Do you see another offensive lineman on this team that could start on the 2021 offensive line? I think um, one other.
1: Yeah, Michael Dieter potentially. The rest, no.
3: For me, I it would be either Chris Reed or Jesse Davis could survive to that point in time. But I, yeah, Dieter, I mean, we'll see.
1: But I mean Dita's d- uh, only because they clearly liked something in him to have taken him mm-hmm. at that you know but I mean there's a there's a lot of work that needs to be done yeah
2: do you guys like anybody as far as the what's behind these guys as uh, as far as Dion Calhoun Isaiah Prince can any of them I, I,
1: I, I think surprised. if Shaq Calhoun can can play in any way close to how he looked like he might have been able to play at mm-hmm. times then you kind of think okay there might be something there but look I mean, if Kilgore goes down, then it's Ryan Anderson or the the Adam, Tony Adams guy. Oh, you know, God. the backup guards are Shaq Calhoun, Michael Dunn, um, <laughs> Kyle Fuller. No, he's not very good. And then, the, you know, uh, and Chris's guy, Chris Reed. And then the tackles are mm. a, a stirrup, a Prince who looks like he's yeah. got a long way to go but could kick inside, a uh, Montero, a uh, Jordan Mills who just looked dreadful in in, in spring, Jared oh, Jones-Smith. And, and then... I think- I think he's actually one to watch,
3: Jared Jones Smith. I she think thinks. if you're if you're talking long term, I could see him settling into being the swing guy backup. I'm not I'm not going to get ahead of myself and say okay. he's a starter somewhere, hmm. but I could I could see him being the swing backup. He's played left and right. He's got an immense wingspan, the biggest wingspan I've ever seen um, on on an offensive, and that's saying something on an offensive tackle. Um, I think he's got the capability to be a swing backup in the long term. I think Chris Reed right now is Legitimately, OL number four uh, on the team, and um, and it wouldn't surprise me if he is, you know, our best shot at a long-term starter. Uh, but you know, it's there's clearly work to do. I I think Shaq Calhoun. I'm with you on that 100. I think that was like a draft pick, and um and I I look forward to seeing what he can do because he's he's very athletic and he's he's also very power. It's a good combination for him. So he could be he could even be the right guard starter this year if, if if things have to shuffle a certain
1: way. If you thought the offensive line was bad, wait till we get to the defensive line, which will happen <laughs> after we take this little break.
2: Hey, it's Seth Levitt here from the fish tank with my main man. OJ McDuffie, the juice. And juice, we've got a special guest over the next two weeks in the tank.
1: What's up, everybody?
2: It's Pat Sertan, and I'm officially diving into the fish tank. If he was better than Peyton, yeah. he definitely wasn't better than me. Oh, there So we
1: that's go. what so I, that's I wanted, wanted to get, get at. Yeah,
2: that's where we're going with it. Did you mm-hmm. and Peyton ever play against each other in high school? Absolutely. Beat him 35-7. Wow. Get out of here. Oh, yeah. I had three rushing and two passing on him, accounting for all five touchdowns. How <laughs> did hand. And all of them. Yeah. Hey, Pat came Bro. in here saying he doesn't remember stuff, but he remembers. Oh, I remember
0: all that. that.
2: Make sure you dive into the tank to hear our entire interview with Patrick Sertan here on the Five Reasons Sports Network. You can catch up on what you've missed and hear new episodes every two weeks until July by searching the Fish Tank on Apple Music, Google Play, Podbean, Spotify, or wherever else you find your favorite podcasts
1: josh darrow here host of the five rings podcast where it's always a cane sting on the five reasons sports network what are we about pretty easy i want to tell stories and i want to share the journey for the players and coaches past and present affiliated with the university of miami take manny diaz he grew up in miami he grew up going to the orange bowl it was you know there was all those 1980s teams you know that that's where it all started for me and just just the style of play and and really, it, was, it really took hold when Jimmy Johnson was here,
3: you know, sitting there in the Orange Bowl in 86 when we're whipping Oklahoma. And just, you know what I mean,
1: just just speed and then violence. You know what I mean? It, it, you know, we're not only, you know, you know, Nebraska it was a changing of college football. It's those kind of memories we want to share with you. Listen, subscribe, rate, review. We appreciate the support. The Five Rings Podcast, where it's always a Canes thing and we're always a part of the Five Reasons Sports Network. Welcome back to Three Yards with Carry. It is our training camp preview show. I'm Simon Fancy, as I'm sure you know by now, uh, and I'm joined as always by Alfredo Artiaga and Chris Kaufman. We are a Miami Dolphins podcast, in case you literally just accidentally come across us. Uh, we are looking at the defensive line of the Miami Dolphins uh, which probably shouldn't take too long because it is literally a car crash
2: uh, I think I'm, it on is, it.
1: I'm, I'm on I mean it. I think I might get a game if I you know, one of us might get a game frankly, I mean Alf's, Alf's going to training camp, he's probably mo- most likely to get a game I mean it's definitely down between him and Deval Kiroz Neto or, uh, <laughs> or Joey Mabu or Although- Dwayne Hendricks
3: Although one of, us, one of the three of us has been on a professional football team. Hmm. Ooh. That's
2: a good question.
3: <laughs> that's, that's our trivia question. Um, there um, you go. Are you gonna leave, Are going to leave me? Who
1: was it? You're going to leave me hanging on that What one? was the team? Nobody's tea? going nobody's gonna, to nobody's gonna, nobody's gonna take it up? Well, <laughs> nobody's going to take it up. No. Okay. Yeah. Right. Let's start at outside. I mean, let's start systematically because we don't quite know how it's going to work. but mm. Uh, is it going to be a pure th- three-four as we, you know, as we imagine it with three down linemen and four linebackers? Is it going to be a hybrid? Is it going to be a four-three? W- how do we think it's going to play out? And, and therefore, we might be able to mix and match some of the pieces that we see, you know, because we know Christian Wilkins is going to play fairly, you know, consistently. We know that uh, I'm pretty sure that Vincent Taylor is going to play pretty consistently. Devon going is going. I'd, gonna I'd play. imagine Devon Goltchar is going to play yeah. pretty consistently. Beyond that, it's literally pick 'em mm-hmm. between Tank Carradine, Charles Harris, Nate Orchard, Adolphus Washington, and Jonathan Woodard. I get
3: I mean, the feeling that I get the feeling they're going to feature Charles Harris a little bit and really give I him do an, a, a shot. Um, I, th-
1: I think Woodard's going to play a lot too. Actually,
3: he, he has the potential to play. He's going to compete with Tank Carradine, and, yeah. and we'll see how that comes up. But I, I, I get really get the feeling, you know, because charles harris was the first round pick i don't think chris greer is ready to let that go and mm-hmm. i think that um you know flores is probably they tend they're, they're pretty tight they're on the same page with one another so i think that they're gonna do their best to try and see what he's got whether he's got anything and i part of it i there there are rumors that there now it's gonna be a little bit more three-man fronts than uh than four-man fronts and I, that makes perfect sense to me because as i think about the primary pass rush types that are on the team, whether it's uh, Charles Harris or Nate Orchard or um, you know the guy that they just drafted, Andrew Van Ginkle, or the the two AAF players that they just picked up, uh, J. Ron Elliott being probably my favorite pure pass rusher for the team at a period. Um, you know, I think that uh, I think that they're all stand-up guys. They're all they're all would be more comfortable with their. Um, out of a two-point stance, and so I think that they're gonna they're gonna modify the front a lot so that they're even when it even when it is ultimately a four-three look or a four-three set of assignments. I think that there's gonna be uh, a guy standing up over one end, and I think that's gonna be Charles Harris most of the time, but maybe maybe J. Ron Elliott gets in there on pass rush snaps, or um, the other guy Tyrone Holmes, who has a little bit more versatility than J. Ron Elliott. You know he could get in there. He he's more in the mo- like if you're going to roll the dice and hope that you come up with a New England style linebacker, which is a guy that can pass rush and just be a play like a linebacker like a Koa Misi. Um, Tyrone Holmes is more your guy from that AAF crew, and Andrew Van Ginkle, the uh, the guy that they drafted. But um, but yeah, yeah, they're it's gonna it's gonna be they're gonna feature Charles Harris. I I still think
1: it's gonna come out well. Yeah, they've got to feature there.
2: Well, this mm-hmm. was my complaint about the draft. Uh, we felt, all of us felt, at least in all the podcasts leading up to the draft, that they needed more defensive backs if they wanted to play any of these coverages that they played in New England. Sure, they drafted none of them. Nope. We all knew that they needed an edge player because you know when you have none, you kind of need at least one. Mm-hmm. And they didn't take one either.
3: Well, they got so, Van Ginkel. Well, and we'll see. You know, well, if you're drafting that
2: late, you know, yeah, I don't fifth think
3: round, and we'll see.
2: I don't think you're participating in the urgency. I'm, I'm talking about, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Yeah.
3: Right. It wasn't urgent. Clearly.
2: Like, well, remember what we talked about in our preview shows? I said, you know, our first three picks, two of them have to be a defensive back and an edge player. Remember? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we ended up using one of them on a quarterback, but you know, that's for later on in the show. No, we're and not going
3: to get into that this time.
2: <laughs> yeah. This group, if, uh, if, Minicamp was any indication. They seem to think that Nate Orchard is going to play some snaps because he played a whole bunch of snaps. In
3: which, which is telling, right? Because yeah, they just picked him up.
2: Yes. So if you just picked up a guy and he's now taking up all the snaps when everybody else is pretty much available in minicamp, then they're searching. Mm-hmm. And I think, that they're, I think they're probably going to look for ways to try to hide these guys. And I don't know how you hide defensive ends you still have to you still have to fill and spill, right? So yep. so is this just gonna be one of those things where our defensive ends are going to be really, really, really noticeable, especially because people think about defensive ends and they're like, okay, you know, the sexy stuff, you know, get get after the quarterback, get sacks, you know, big sack totals, 10, 12, 15 sacks. That's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about giving Listen. 200 yeah. yards rushing per game but it's
1: never it's never been it's never been a massive thing for Patriots defensive ends has it beyond Chandler no. Jones really right yeah, there's not I'm, been I'm an out about
2: the fans like the fans yeah, no, look but, at the defensive ends and they're like okay where's the passers coming to
1: but well, the fact the, I'm know, worried about giving up 200
2: yards rushing per game is what I'm worried yeah but
1: about. look I, I think you only have to look you know and I'm I say this with the best will in the world but I think you only have to look at um the reaction when people thought that we were going to sign um the Patriots defense that he went to Detroit, Trey, Flowers. His name, Trey yeah. Flowers. And people talk about his sack totals are terrible. He's rubbish. He's not worth it. Right, yeah, right. That's, that comes from people who only look at statistics. That mm-hmm. comes from people who see the box score. And the think, worst oh, statistics. Yeah. He had five sacks this season. He's terrible. <laughs> Boo. He should have had 15. sacks. So if he was a good defense, that's not what the New England Patriots defense has ever been about. Beyond Chandler Jones, who was a complete outlier. You know, it, it was about understanding run fits. It was about setting the edge. It was about all those things that he did, rushing from the inside, moving around, being a versatile piece. There's a reason he's a really, really good player. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, and there's a reason why he would only really work in a Matt Patricia defense or a Brian Flores defense. Or, a, you know, and that's why Miami went hard after him. And that's why Detroit went hard after him because they know that systematically he fits. So what you're not going to see is, you know, even if Charles Harris is fantastic, you're not going to see him racking up 15 sacks because that's just not what he will be asked of. What I suspect you will see is strong defensive ends who try and set the edge, turn the play inside. And I think there'll be a a much bigger reliance on potentially McMillan, but I certainly think uh, the kid from Ohio State um, who we drafted last year um, I think there's going to be a huge reliance on his athletic ability, both going Jerome forwards Baker. and backwards, Jerome Baker. I think you're going to be looking at guys like that who are going to be making a difference or trying to make a difference in the backfield. I don't necessarily think that will come from the play of the anybody that's listening who thinks, you know, our defensive ends are going to be critical because they need to get 10 sacks each. You're in for a big disappointment. But what you might see if you scrape beneath the surface and look beyond the box score, you might see a bit more solid play in the sort of fundamentals of edge setting, run defending, turning plays inside, and hoping that linebacker group uh, and the young, you know, look three good young defensive tackles there, Taylor Wilkins and uh, and Godshaw. Um, you're hoping that those guys make plays, and then that that really does leave it for the guys at the second level to to come in and, and try and cause a bit of disruption, of the, you know, in the backfield. But here's why I doubt this
3: group. And this is because New England has been so good at one thing with their defensive linemen over the years. They've been really good at acquiring – like, other other teams might not rate the guys. But when you really look at it, they're good at beating the hell out of offensive linemen. They're, I mean, they're brutal, physically brutal. Like, they, they beat up offensive linemen. They give them a hard time. They put them off balance. They're able to use the, their hands. They're able to get around them. Um, and they might not do it, you know, always in time to get the sack, but they give offensive linemen a hard time. We don't have a physically impressive, lengthy, dominant, strong group on the on this defensive front. I mean, Charles Harris is not that. And if you look at if you look at some of the guys, like even I mean, Devon Godshaw can can come in pretty heavy-handed, but it was in a different system, and we'll you know now we're in a read and react system not a not a go-all-out from the snap system. Uh, so we're going to see how that looks in this system, and we're going to see how it looks with Vincent Taylor in this new system and where it's all read and react. New England was always good. I mean, Danny Shelton, I mean, for as slow as he is, he is brutal as far as his strength and his hand use and being able to put, put linemen off balance and really beat the hell out of them and i think that that's that's what you get with a lawrence guy that's why lawrence guy was so perfect coming coming over from uh, i believe it was jacksonville i mean if you really looked at what he what he was you know you, you didn't you might not have seen it had the vision for it but you knew what he was good at and and so i think that until we acquire those guys on this team then it's going it might be rough it might be really rough and and we're just going to have to see if some of them i guess surprise us a little bit um, right now, I think the only guy that I think that I'd count on to be able to pass uh, pass rush, well, Christian Wilkins, of course. Let's let's caveat yeah. him because this is why we drafted him, right? Mm. Um, so he could be that kind of guy. But the elsewise, I'm not I'm not sure anybody other than I know people laugh, but J. Ron Elliott, <laughs> the guy we got from the AAF. At least I know what he can do as far as being a pure edge rusher and kind of putting an egg timer on the quarterback that way in certain situations
1: would not Um, surprise me to see Derek Rivers end up at the Dolphins I've heard he struggled a lot um, with the Patriots third round pick they got last year Um, inactive uh, he was injured but then inactive for the rest of the season he was healthy healthy scratch would not surprise me if he didn't make the team and he ended up as a as a Dolphin yeah they could Um, claim him yeah absolutely the Youngstown state kid
3: Okay, now let's
2: talk about my favorite unit on this team, meaning that I think, you know, I said today on, on Twitter, I put, out, put it out there that this could be a make it or break it year for Raquan McMillan, and let me explain myself. When you, whenever you have a new system in place, and if you have look back at the guys who've played the mic for the New England Patriots, it seems to be a very important position. If Raquan McMillan is terrible this year, they will seek to replace him. Okay? So, I think this this unit, I don't know. Jerome Baker? Is that the only guy that they could possibly keep? If, if everything goes sideways, is Jerome Baker the only guy worth keeping through the year to next year?
1: Simon? I mean, I thought he had a solid second half of the season. McMillan, He looked like the game slowed down a little bit for him. Um, yeah, definitely. Definitely you know and he started to be in the right place at the right time and make plays and just look a bit more like he wasn't running in treacle which tends to be what happens to young linebackers who are sort of overwhelmed by responsibility and you know um so uh, and I, I i actually and i thought he made a difference chris bell what do you think i thought he made a difference in the red zone defensively mm-hmm. last year um you know him and Mink fitzpatrick certainly i thought made seemed to make a difference there yeah, um,
3: I know the couple of plays you're thinking about too. Like,
1: yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, and I just think, it, you know, I think he's a, potentially in a sense this will be a fascinating year for him because it looks like he was getting it towards the end of the season. So mm-hmm. now is this the you know is this the time where he really? puts the pedal to the metal in this defense with a, you know, and we've heard rumors that he's, you know, and you will know more, though you might not be able to say more, but we've heard rumors that he's the Dante Hightower type character. Mm-hmm. Is that really going to be the case? We shall, we shall find out. But he's certainly got the physical tools. Um, and it felt like towards the end of the season, he was picking up the mental tools. So we shall see. It's a big year for him because actually it's not just a big year for him because he's a good player, but it's a a big year for him because of the responsibility that he will hold in the center of that defense.
3: I think it's going to be a big year for him production wise and for, you know, in, in terms of the grading and everything. I think just as you said, he had a, he had a, a good finish in the areas that he's good in, like in, you know, against the run in particular. Um yeah. He w- he did really well last year, and because of that, he's going to fit into this defense. I mean, there's there's roles in this defense for guys like Alandon Roberts and Joan Bentley, you know, at, for yeah. in New England. So um, they don't all have to be Dont'a Hightower and Kyle Van Noy. Uh, so he's gonna he's gonna make an impact that way. The New England what they ask their linebackers if you want to step up and be a thousand snap guy as a linebacker in New England or be a, a big impact guy then the way that you do it isn't in, you know, pass coverage like a la Jerome Baker. Um, it's going to be as a pass rusher, uh, an outside pass rusher, in addition to being good against the run. And Raekwon McMillan, I think he can be good against the run. I've not seen the pass rush from him pretty much ever, even going back to Ohio State. So we're we're gonna see about that, and um and and just like we're gonna see about that with Jerome Baker, and I don't see it with him either. I think that they're both a little bit miscast uh, as far as n- not being able to realize full potential in this system, which is why you see them roll the dice on and an Andrew Van Ginkle who can play like a real linebacker, but also wasn't you know has that length. And that experience as an outside pass rusher, I think that ultimately they would like a guy like that or two guys like that actually to be manning the defense. If they had their druthers um, Jerome Baker that I'm, I'm having a little bit more ta- hard time with and, and maybe that's just because I'm not being creative enough in my thoughts about what he can do in coverage and, and, Taking the place of some of the defensive backs that New England has used over the years, uh, maybe that happens. Um, but I'm not sure that I see it in the pass rush. Don't
1: That's... forget, you go back to Ohio State and you look at all the kids that, that Urban Meyer brought in, and uh, Raekwon mcmillan was the eighth highest-rated recruit in the Urban mm-hmm. Meyer era uh, Ohio State. And you count in that top uh, above him were Nick Bosa first round, third overall pick, second overall pick. Chase Young will probably be a top five pick. Uh, Jeffrey Okuda, who will be a top 10 pick, top 15 pick in the draft next year, the cornerback. McMillan was the eighth pick. It was the eighth highest recruit. There is legitimate talent mm-hmm. there. I just think, you know, and you look at the way he certainly, like we said, in the second half of the season, I thought he was a, you know, above average run defender. You know, high yeah. I thought he played very well against the run. I agree. Can he take that next step? Can that's I think that's the critical question. And if he can, who knows? Who Mm -hmm. knows? You know, he could become an you know an upper level linebacker in the NFL. I don't see there's any reason why he couldn't. It's whether or not he's able to transfer that you know that talent that he showed as a high school kid in the early games at Ohio State seemed to plateau a little bit. Got to the Dolphins, obviously got the injury, looked a little bit like he was on treacle. Second half of the season powered on. This is the critical step for him now. This is the most critical year for him because if he takes that step on, then there's another key to that defense moving forwards. Looking ahead to 2021 and 2022, where you think we don't have to worry about that position because we've got this kid in here, and it's going to help that he's going to be in behind the, the three big centerpieces of that uh, of that defensive line: Wilkins, Gortchard, and, uh, and Taylor. Definitely. All right.
2: So both of you have Raekwon McMillan essentially making it and not breaking it this season right so he's i I agree now one guy who was really really noticeable as far as his body went under some changes let's just let's just say that jerome (laughs) baker he looks different at least he looked really different to me and i stood right next to him he looked like a different player than what he looked like last year last year looked slim sleek muscular but Sleek. Oh, I think mm-hmm. sleek is the word I would have used to describe his body type last year. This year He's built like a brick shit house.
1: <laughs> is that he something looks massive. or nothing? I, th- I mean, I think it's something that as long as he's not lost to speed and explosion You know, and and, and also can he ca- can his body carry that extra muscle? I mean, he played 679 snaps as a rookie, which is a mm-hmm. pretty big total. Yeah, he didn't get injured, and you thought, you know, with his frame, probably what would you say, Chris? Low two twenties? I mean, high two twenties? Low two thirties, maybe?
3: I'd say, I'd I'd say he might even have a hard time keeping that. He came down to two fifteen, like as the season, you know. um And there are guys yeah. that they're just coming down as the season wears on, and that's that's I the mean, problem.
1: It was six hundred? What's well, so that? Sixty? Looking at it now, sixty four percent of the snaps. He had eighty tackles, three sacks, a pick. You know, you've got to be looking for him to get closer to what eighty-five percent, ninety percent of the defensive mm-hmm. snaps, if he's really to be the guy that we think he might be. It's just how does that weight carry over? How does that? You know, has he lost that explosion? Has he lost that sideline to sideline, that change of direction ability? That'll be really key because I think I think that the defensive coaches will look at him and think, you know, there's an awful lot that we can do here. You know, mm-hmm. there's, there's there's talent in an awful, you know, going backwards and forwards and sideways, and the you know the staff. From what you hear, and Alf again, you'll know better than most, but this you know mm. I think quietly they are very happy with what they have in Baker, and you know he is a very, very hardworking versatile kid, and you can do a lot with those guys
3: well here's my question for you, Simon, because you mentioned that you actually mentioned this earlier on WhatsApp we were talking about that Ravens game, and I think we initially were talking about the uh, the pass rushers that the Ravens had, and then the talk turned over to their offensive tackles and offensive linemen. They got Ronnie Stanley, and they've got Orlando yeah. Brown Jr., and they've got, um, you know, uh, Marshall Yanda. Yeah. Marshall Yanda. Uh, so, Jerome Baker Jerome Baker has to blitz or has to rush the passer from the outside, and there's Ronnie Stanley. Uh, yeah. Does he give Ronnie Stanley a hard time even, or does, you know, is it is it a total wash? Does he give Orlando Brown a hard time, or is it a I total think- wash?
1: Um, I mean, I, I think he'd struggle because, you know, we're always biased and we'd say Tunsil was better. I know Ravens fans would say Stanley's better, but you're essentially looking at comparable left tackles. Yes. And if that's the case, when you think that the only person that managed to get a sack on Larry Tunsil last year was was Yannick Gutway. You know, and that was essentially because Laramie took a, a sort of a hard step a little bit too far outside. But you look at the players that he went up against. You know, Jerry Hughes twice. We just talked about the kid from New New, New England who went to, to Detroit. You talk about um, the cow, but yeah, Khalil Mack. You look at the kid at Houston, the the, the fir, former first overall pick. Um, you know, and he dominated every single one of them. Stanley is in that caliber. I think it's a stretch to think that, you know, Jerome Baker's necessarily going to line up and uh, and beat Ronnie Stanley. But I wonder whether or not, you know, do, inside blitzes, for example, mm-hmm. I think that's where you could, you know, this is going up against what Matt Scura and who's the mm-hmm. other guard opposite? Uh, is Alex Lewis or, or Ben Powers, the kid they got from Oklahoma, they drafted from Oklahoma. You know, that's where you're potentially looking at targeting, you know, I think Baker, I think to to, to say to him, you know, you take on the best, one of the best young left tackles in football, and see if you can get to Lamar Jackson. I think that's a that's an uphill task, even for somebody that we like a lot as as Jerome Baker. What do you think? Mm-hmm.
3: Well, I think one of the reasons that I ask that is is just if you look at the way New England uses their. I mean, their two primary linebackers really are Kyle Van Noy and Donta Hightower. Yeah, and if you look at how they've used those guys, um, and you, you track where they're lining up and, and what they're doing. Those guys are rushing from the outside a lot. And mm. you see, I mean, you can see it in some of their playbooks. And I think uh, there's a Twitter guy named James Light who does a really great job of um, bringing up some of the, the pages from the New England playbook and, and analyzing it. And you see why they do they do it, you know, what, how those two, the, um, the Mac and Buck linebackers end up in those roles. But you know, Donta Hightower. If you look at him and where he, what he's doing and where he's lining up, he's he's on the outside a lot. And um, so, you know, that's that's what you have to that's what you have to look at with Jerome Baker. Is he is he going to be able to do that? Uh, and I don't know because you know I'm just looking at it right now. And Donta Hightower was lining up and rushing from the outside like you know 400 snaps last year and um including like over like 240 snaps in pass rush and that so that's not blitzing over the middle you know that's not,
1: yeah, that's not yeah, going
3: against mascara or somebody like that so you know that's the key We'll we'll find out um that i i wouldn't have optimism about it because he's ultimately he's six he's six for one and and you know if that and by this time of the season gets done, he might be 220 pounds or 200, even 215 again or something like that. Who knows? So we'll see.
2: Now, as far as the secondary, this was a unit that we were pretty high on going into the season last year. And then, uh, you know, I had a little powwow with, uh, with Matt Burke, and he famously told me that we have five, but we don't have six, and we all know who the five are. Yeah. Uh, do we have four, but we don't have five now this year, Simon?
1: Um, I mean, I I think that corner position opposite Xavier Howard is wide open. Um, I don't think Eric Rowe did a great deal to prove that he was the guy in in mini camp. Um, you know, I think we've talked about this before, and and it looks like he's going to start on um on the pup um Cordray tanksley uh, uh, To me. Doesn't make the roster. Um, I think he's in a real battle to make the roster. I mean, I'm going to be looking at the uh, uh, the three young kids. You know, the two kids that we were talked a bit about last season who continued to impress us who were Cornell Armstrong and Jalen Davis, who were thrown a little bit into mm-hmm. the fire. They're going to get their chance, and then the kid that the kid that was the most impressive certainly of the kind of the younger guys was a kid that Flores had in New England and, and that's Jamal Wiltz, the the corner mm-hmm. out of um Iowa State. He went undrafted and then the Eagles had him in seventeen, the Patriots had him
2: And had um, his moments in many games. Yeah,
1: absolutely. I mean this I think this is the kid that, you know, they're gonna try and give, you know, a little bit of I mean he's he you know, he's five eleven, so, you know. The, to me, there's not a guy opposite Howard. And then that brings in the question, do you put Fitzpatrick out there and do you move McCain back to safe, back to slot corner? Because it feels to me like Minka is going to be the, the slot guy. you're going to move him about a bit, but that's where he's going to play because that's where he plays best. And it feels like it, if they're going to do that, that whole kind of spring exhibition of putting McCain at free safety feels like a complete waste of time. Yeah. You know, why would you do? Why would you do that if you didn't have a plan for for corner? You know, but they also have to know that Roe, you know, has been spotty in his career. He's been injured in his career, and they can't have thought that they don't have a backup plan. So, it would not surprise me to see one of those three young guys, you know, try and battle it out and and potentially win the job because somebody's got to take it. And I'm not sold that it's going to be Eric Roe.
3: Yeah, and I think they just signed today. They just signed Tyler Patman. They did. A, Patman, um, yeah. who, who's a. A veteran, a veteran corner. I believe he's a, a veteran slot corner in particular, um, and so I think that you look at that, and that's 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 kind of you, you mentioned Bobby McCann. Are they just gonna are they just gonna put him back a slot because out of need or? You know, for whatever reason, and and I think you sign a Tyler Patman specifically so you don't have to. Yeah. Um, I think that they're 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 committed to this Bobby McCain, and I'll talk about that however you want me to later because I don't have a very good opinion about it. Um, this Bobby McCain a free safety thing, they're committed to it, they're going with it. I think you're just you're exactly right with that corner position opposite Xavier Howard. It is, it is you know kind of a. a open competition but slash no man's land i'm not sure anybody can, on this roster can step up and take that spot ultimately it's going to be somebody else in the future i think um eric rowe you know he's going to try it but i didn't when i look back at what he did in new england on tape when he did play i wasn't all that impressed and uh and cornell armstrong i, I well, like he was just him. terrible and, like, yeah, eric, he,
2: rowe, let's let's call it like it is. eric rowe was a bad football player last year
3: Yeah, well, (laughs) he was an injured Um, football player
1: last year. He was, he was, yeah. There was a
3: lot of injuries. So interesting.
1: The Dolphins, Dolphins worked out a former first round pick today. Do you know who it was? They worked out Patman as well and signed him. They also worked out a former first round pick. Any guesses? I didn't hear that.
3: Tim Tebow. I've just,
1: I've literally just got Tim Tebow. Matt Elam. Elam. Oh, did they really? Jesus. Yeah. Interesting. The Ravens safety, who most recently I think was playing in the uh XFL showcase a couple of weeks ago. Um, Interesting. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I, I hold of, out hope for like Cornell Armstrong to be honest with you guys. Uh, mm-hmm. uh Jalen Davis Jalen Davis really strikes me as a as a slot specialist and I yep. don't think you will ever get out of out yeah. of you know slot Sticky specialist. Sticky
1: guy. Sticky guy Jalen Davis. The guy's yes. all yes. around the ball. Yes. So but slot, slot agree, guys,
3: slot guys thrive in this defense, in this yes. defensive approach. They use a lot of yeah. them.
2: <laughs> but if there's a guy that I'm holding out hope for, and I and I do agree with you, uh, this this descent from Cordrea Tankersley has been spectacular. It really has been, yeah. and and it really started Bad. last year. In it started last year in training camp. It started Carolina last
1: year. and starting and then in Carolina in the preseason. Yeah. and it wasn't a forget thing either. It's it's more oh. of a mental thing with Cordrea Tankersley. Armstrong had a lot of experience at, at Southern Miss, on and off the field, team captain, highly respected. Mm-hmm. He ran a 4 4 3 at a 39 or 40 inch vertical. Um, you know, this was a well liked, well developed, intelligent kid. You know, I think it, he's it, very it,
3: aggressive against the run and then and, and Yeah, I, I do too. He's, he's yeah. got that physical nature to him, and that's a good start. So, absolutely
1: hardworking kid.
2: On the way out here, I'll ask you guys a few questions. Uh, I'll start with you, Simon. Rashad Jones. Does he play the season with the Miami Dolphins? Um,
1: feels like he and and, uh, and Coach Flores have repaired whatever. That feels like there's a strong sense of respect. On I spoke to Dave Hyde um, a while back, and I feel it feels like some bridges have been mended. So I suspect he probably does. Whether he lasts injury wise remains to be seen, but I think he'll be on the roster if that's what you're asking.
3: I think that was out of necessity. I I don't think yes. anybody's taking him. So no, I think that I that's, they, they had to mend, you know, mend fences there. And so. one last thing before we get
2: out of here and I'll start with you, Chris Minka Fitzpatrick, where does he play this year? And
3: then where should he play? Well, Minka Fitzpatrick probably he, he's going to play slot this year. And I, what I'm, what I'm a little, so new England and their approach, they had two, two different guys playing uh free safety, you know, deep safety and that was Harmon, um, Harmon, who was more of a part-time player, probably like a, a 50 to 60% player. Um, he played almost exclusively free safety. But then they also had McCourty, Devin McCourty, who was a half free safety and a half slot guy. So what what we're still trying to figure out, and we'll have to see, is whether Mink and Fitzpatrick Fitzpatrick in addition to his slot duties which we know about which we know because that's what made him famous at Alabama I always want you to I always want these uh these coaches to to play the players where they got famous so um that's good he's going to be in the slot is he also going to pull back and do some deep safety uh like Devin McCourty did because yes even though Bobby McCain is a free safety and and it looks like that's just full-time commitment now that doesn't mean he's a 1,000 snaps guy. He could be more like a Duran Harmon um, who comes on the field you know, 50 to 60% of the time and is a free safety specialist that way. And that could leave room for Minka Fitzpatrick feeling like a Devin Accordy. But then the other possibility is that maybe Minka Fitzpatrick is just more like the Pat Chung in, the, in this defense. Defense. And um, and that's an that's an extremely important player in New England's defense. So that could very well be the case. Um, I think that that's a that's a, an excellent question. We're we're really just going to have to find out as we go. But the the one that I talked about and alluded to it before, I don't have very good uh, optimism or opinions about Bobby McCain moving back into deep center. Uh, because he is a five-foot-nine player, uh, he did rank number 96 out of 133 at his position in his missed tackle efficiency last year. So he wasn't he wasn't a reliable tackler really last year, even as a corner, as a slot corner. He's a career. Slot corner. I mean, this is yes. this is what he's been his whole Miami Dolphins career. Uh, he was a corner exclusively back in college, so he's learning a whole different game. I mean, when you got that much green in front of you, it's a whole different game. You're reading your keys. You're trying to you're trying to get your angles just right. And I I don't know that I see him being an effective last line of defense against the big pass and the well, big I know run. He, I
2: know he can't. I know he can't be a, an effective last line of defense because that's all he's shown his entire career. He's always been terrible uh, vertically, always. So Yeah, well,
3: I, and that's, and so, and
2: that's the point. they have obviously seen something different than what we have seen since Bobby McCain suited up for us for the first time.
3: It's, it strikes me as a mistake if you're if you're really I mean I don't think they're they're fully committed to win not that they're trying to tank or anything I, I think that they're they're making moves that are clearly with the future in sight yeah. and not so much you know not so much the present and this is one of those moves that were if you really 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 cared about wins right now like this was your season to go to the playoffs I don't think you make this move with Bobby McCain at free safety. Um, I think they're taking advantage of some things right now to uh, and doing that, and it's just because they're having a hard time making everybody fit and getting Minka Fitzpatrick. You know, he's he's the guy. He's the guy that they want to make sure they get into the right positions. And Bobby McCain is is sort of um, you know ending up as sort of a remainder uh, on that equation. And I think that as a free safety, this is a good way where this is a good way to end up. You know, seventy-five out of eighty plays, your defense played pretty well and and then you know the other five plays you still lost the game by a lot because they scored 30 points on you um and that's that's what i think that's what i think could happen with with an unreliable last line of defense like that and so i i don't know how the, how well that's going to work but you know convenient from our standpoint if you are one of those guys that's like you know Tua, tonga Violoa or bust at number 1 overall um it it could work into that you know, inadvertently.
2: Yeah. All right. On the way out very quickly, Simon, give me one camp battle. You want to see
1: you want to see somebody emerge. Well, I mean, I think for me, the three quarterback between Fitzpatrick and Rosen, and then on both lines, you've got to see guys emerge.
3: All right, Chris, I think, uh, I think it's the, the right tackle spot, whether it's going to be Jesse Davis or Jordan Mills, because of all the guys that I named that they're going to be facing on that right side this year. It's, it, it has the, it has, it'll affect so much. I mean, I like these wide receivers like you do, but if the quarterbacks can never get it to them with good timing yeah, and if the quarterbacks kind of suck anyway, yeah. then, I mean, then it's, it's wasted for all of, it's wasted for Kenyon Drake. It's wasted for Callen and who catches the ball pretty well or caught it pretty well in college. Yeah. Um, so it's that right tackle spot.
2: Yeah, obviously for me, it's the quarterbacks, of course. But the one that I'm really, really interested in is I want to see who gets the snaps at the tight end position. All right, that's it. There is no more. Next week, you know, we'll actually be in camp and I'll have reports from there. But till then.
0: Thanks for listening to 3 Yards Per Caddy. You can subscribe via iTunes, on Podbean, or your usual podcast provider.